0: That was awesome. Who's gone back to work already? Somebody. Who's going back on Monday? That's me. All right. I want to just encourage and spur everyone on this morning um, to really embrace prayer um, as a part of your walk with the Lord this year, to really make it a fundamental part of your walk with the Lord There's nothing we'll build our faith and build our intimacy with the Lord more than seeing our prayers answered in a way that's really clear and unequivocal. So the Lord's been speaking to me about something the last couple of weeks, and I'm just going to unpack it this morning uh, and hopefully give something that will equip and encourage everyone. So prayer, what is prayer? So prayer is in one way the simplest thing in the world. It's us having a conversation with God. It's us having a dialogue. So we talk to God, and amazingly, he talks back to us. Sometimes we need to remember that and stop and listen. Um, it can be spontaneous. It can be spur of the moment. But it also needs discipline. So we need a time of the day where we set aside to sit down and, and, and pray and really talk to our Father. It's mysterious because we don't know how it works. We know that our prayers move the hand of God. We know that a lot of times, if we don't pray, sometimes we'll miss the blessing, we'll miss the provision, we'll miss the strength to endure temptation. Maybe we'll be led into temptation where we weren't supposed to be if we don't pray. It can be hard. Um, Sometimes you get down to pray and you're bored. Boring. Who's been bored in prayer before? Everybody. Um, Sometimes um, you get distracted. You start daydreaming. You come back, and oh, was I supposed to be praying? I've been thinking about this thing I've got to do at work. You know, how do we embrace prayer? Um, Do we have the slides, guys? Do we... Managed to get them? Great. Can I get the, per- the first slide up? James chapter 5. Um, now I've got to open it in my Bible. Verses 16 to 18. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, means it accomplishes much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit." So here we see James talking to us about fervent, effective prayer, prayer that actually does something, prayer that works, prayer that moves the hand of God. And when he's talking about this prayer, he says, hey, look at Elijah. Elijah was a man, and he was a man in nature just like us, which means that he was a human being just like every single person in this room. There was nothing special about Elijah that made him different, to anybody else sitting in this room this morning. But somehow Elijah prayed prayers that were fervent and effective and they moved the hand of God. He could pray and God so moved that the, it didn't rain for three and a half years until Elijah prayed again. Now we don't have a record. We can't pull out Elijah's prayer and read the prayer that he prayed because we haven't got that in the scriptures. 1 Kings 17 one, gives us the words of Elijah as he goes to King Ahab. Now, King Ahab was a king in Israel at the same time as Elijah, probably the most wicked king that existed. Um, And he hated Elijah and he wanted to kill him. So Elijah, at the word of the Lord, goes to Ahab, the man that wants to kill him, and he gives him a declaration. He says, "'As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve,' There will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. That's bold prayer. That's bold declaration. Now, what happened next? So we've got three and a half years of drought. And you can read in 1st Kings, you know, what happened during that time. But it was three years of real want, scarcity, there was no food, everything was, was, was not great. Um, after, so if we can get the, the next slide, First Kings, I don't know if you can read that, 1 um, Kings 18. We'll read a couple of scriptures from 1 Kings 18. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. That's great. I have to go back to Ahab, this king that's trying to kill me. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and Elijah said... Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. He says this to Ahab before there's a cloud in the sky. Okay, and funnily, you know, there's no food. It's not the kind of time when you're looking to have a feast. You know, Ahab wouldn't have been holding a feast. But Ahab hears the word of the prophet. It's spoken in boldness. He believes him. Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah, he didn't go to the feast, Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. Mount Carmel. He bent down to the ground, and he put his face between his knees. "'Go and look to the sea,' he told his servant. And he went up and looked. "'There is nothing there,' he said. Seven times Elijah said, "'Go back.'" The seventh time, the servant reported, "'A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea.'" So Elijah said, "'Go and tell Ahab.'" Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off, he's on his chariot, to Jezreel. That's where he was going. Verse 46. So Elijah's just prayed this amazing prayer where he's bent his face to the ground and he's prayed seven times. He's prayed the first time, there's Nothing. Second time, there's nothing. Third time, there's nothing. Fourth time, nothing. Fifth. Sixth time, nothing. Seventh time, he sees the answer of the Lord coming. He's prayed this prayer. And the power of the Lord came on Elijah. And tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of sorry Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So remember, Ahab's on a chariot. Right, Elijah doesn't have a chariot, but the power of the Lord comes upon him and he gets supernatural speed and he beats Ahab to Jezreel. Elijah is a man, is a human being just like everybody sitting in this room today. What is the difference? What makes his prayers so effective? So... If we look at the word fervent in James, it's the Greek word energy, and it means to be powerful and to be mighty, to be active. So if we have a look at this verse here, 46, I want us just to focus on this for a minute. We see here that Elijah was wearing cloak. Okay, so if you recall in... Um, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's talking about wearing the full armour of God. And in that passage, he's actually drawing from Isaiah 59, um, where there's prophecies about the Messiah, Messianic, sorry, the Messiah wearing his armour. And one of the, the pieces of armour in Isaiah 59 is the cloak of zeal. It's okay, so this zeal, which is it's a similar concept to this concept of, of fervency in prayer. So what does biblical zeal look like? We see Elijah up here, he's, he's wearing this cloak, this picture of zeal, and we can all see Elijah's zeal in prayer and his boldness. He's got the boldness and the confidence because he knows God and he knows that God is the source of his life and that God answers his promises, you know, he fulfills his promises. So we see Elijah speaking forth with boldness. His prayers were bold I was thinking of, of what zeal looks like okay second thing that I observed about Elijah was his prayers were active so he did they weren't token they weren't half-hearted they were active they involved his whole body he got up and he climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and he bent his whole body down to the ground and he prayed the third thing that I noted was that he was persistent. He didn't give up. He prayed and he prayed until the answer came. And then the power of the Lord came upon him. So the cloak in Middle Eastern cultures was something that they would wear. It was a big heavy garment that went over the top of their clothes or their armour if they were a warrior and it would, it would, it would just um, protect them from the elements. So the cold, the wind, the stuff they would run into every day, it would protect them. Now Elijah, when he was told to run, he didn't take his cloak off. He, um, he tucked it into his belt, which is mentioned a few times in the Bible that you'd tuck your cloak into your belt so your legs were free to run um, and you wouldn't trip over. Okay. So thinking of this concept of zeal... From a New Testament perspective, um, I found the example of Epaphras okay, in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. Um, and it's worth reading it. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God for I bear witness that he has a great zeal for you. This was a man in the New Testament who wrestled in prayer. Um, and if you look at the NIV it translates that word that phrase laboring fervently to wrestling it actually means wrestling it literally means to struggle or to endeavor with strenuous zeal. Okay. To 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 actually obtain a prize, to to achieve something. So we need zeal. Um, we don't always have zeal, I think. But I mean, I think that was the case for Elijah too because we're told that he was a man like the rest of us. He was, you know, he was a human being. He had the same faults as all of us. So what was the difference? Well, I don't have all the answers, but I did note that this picture here, of Elijah, he tucked his cloak into his belt. And we know that that picture of the armour of God in, in Ephesians 6 talks about the belt as being the belt of truth. So what we have here, if you looked at this as a picture, you have Elijah running with supernatural power wearing a cloak of zeal, the belt of truth. Okay. Our zeal in prayer must be guided by truth. Psalm 119, verse 20 reads, My soul is consumed, you've got that zeal, with longing for your laws at all times. If you skip down to verse 31, I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do do not let me be put to shame. I run, like Elijah, in the path of your command. You have broadened my understanding. Active zeal being pictured here in the psalm. The psalmist is running, but he's not running any which way. He's running with direction. He's got direction. It's like Elijah running. He's running, but he's not going anywhere. He's going to Jezreel. He's beating Ahab to Jezreel. We need zeal and we need truth. Romans 10, 1 to 2 reads, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's really important that there's zeal and truth. So how do we get zeal? (laughs) Zeal is born out of our love of God. I mean, we sang this morning, being intimate with God. Ben spoke last week, spending time with him, time in his word, time in prayer. Our zeal will grow, our love and affection for him will just naturally grow. Um, The Bible says that we're to pray always in the Spirit. Um, can we pray always in the Spirit? That's an aspiration. And are we always going to have the zeal to climb to the top of Mount Carmel? So I was thinking about how I could practically equip people this morning, and I, I came across something as a modern example of prayer. Who's heard of George Mueller? So amazing, amazing man, testimony, answered prayer, just incredible. So he lived in England in the 1800s when orphans were everywhere, thousands of orphans on the streets, in workhouses, little children, just horrible conditions. And Mueller's heart was moved. But more than his heart just being moved for the plight of the orphans, he actually saw in it, and I love this, an opportunity to glorify God. And an opportunity to, to prove that God answers prayer and that God is faithful. And he, if, if you read his work, he speaks about how that was his primary goal. Carol this morning in, in pre-service prayer talked about giving God our first fruits and our best. And Mueller's objective with this project that he had um, with the orphans was to first and foremost glorify God. So, he um, in his lifetime, he built five large orphan houses, cared for more than 10,000 orphans, and he did not ask anybody for money. While he did that, he only asked God, and he didn't tell anybody else what his needs were. And one of the most well-known stories that a lot of people probably know, and if you don't, please go watch the movie, or read his autobiography, it's pretty awesome, is, um, the orphans wake up in the morning, come down for breakfast, there's no breakfast, nothing. Um, so they all sit down, table set, they all sit down, Mueller sits there, and he prays, gives thanks to God, prays for breakfast. Next minute there's a knock at the door, and it's a baker who had woken in the middle of the night, said the Lord had woken him up and put a burden on his heart to make bread, fresh bread for the orphans. Uh, in comes the baker, there's bread. And then the next minute there's another knock on the door, the milkman had broken down outside the orphanage and said, do you want the milk? Because otherwise it's going to spoil. Do the orphans want to drink the milk? So there we go, orphans, have breakfast. Because he prayed. Um, and the reason I'm bringing up Mueller is not just because of his amazing testimony in prayer and how effective it was, but it's because of what he said about his how he prayed. Um, so he had over 50,000 specific recorded answers to prayers, um, and over 30,000 of them were apparently answered same day or same hour. So if you're struggling to pray, there's lots of ways to pray, and they're all great, A lot of, most of them great. Um, <laughs> if you're struggling to pray, pay attention. So he says, he says that the first 10 years of his life of faith, he really struggled with prayer. found his mind wandering, he was distracted, struggled to get into the spirit. We know we need to be in the spirit when we pray to be effective. He, started, he changed one thing. He started praying through the word of God. And he says, this is a quote from him, he says, The difference between my formal practice and my present one is this. Formerly, when I rose, I began to pray as soon as possible and generally spent all my time in bre- um, till breakfast in prayer. At all events, I almost invariably began with prayer. But what was the result? I often spent quarter of an hour, half an hour, an hour on my knees before being conscious to myself of having derived comfort, encouragement, etc. And often after having suffered from much wandering of mind for the first 15 minutes or half an hour, I only then really began to pray. And then he says, I scarcely suffer this way now. For my heart, being nourished by the truth, being brought into experiential fellowship with God, I speak to my father and to my friend about the things that he has brought before me in his precious word. It often now astonishes me that I did not sooner see this point. So praying through the word of God transformed the prayer life of one of the most amazing prayer warriors of our modern time. And we see Elijah, this picture of zeal with the belt of truth. So if we lack zeal, we start praying, we lack zeal. Let's try to start with truth. It's just a suggestion. Jeremiah 23:39 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord. So if you're struggling to enter into the spirit, how about we take the fire of the word of God and plunge it into our souls and let God kindle the zeal within us What we're really doing when we do this is we're taking. You know, it, it, it sounds sounds simple, doesn't it? Read, pray through the Bible, right? Pray through the Bible. Um, but what we're really doing? What is the Bible? It's the God breathed Word of God. It is the inspired, inerrant Spirit, and I am It is Spirit. It is life. It is. The, it is God magnifies the Word above His own name. It's amazing. We take the words that originated in the heart and mind of God and we bring them into our own heart and mind and then we speak them back to him. There's a power in that. If we can go to the next slide. So how do we pray like Elijah? We pray with zeal. Remember Elijah climbing to the top of Mount Carmel, bowing his face to the ground and praying seven times. We fervently wrestle with God for those things that we need answers to prayer for. You know, I think, what what would have happened if, if Ahab had ridden or had feasted and then ridden off to Jezreel and then there'd been no rain? You know, Elijah had the, the word of the Lord, but, that, but, but he still... He didn't take it for granted. He took his whole self up the top of Mount Carmel where God had moved before, where God had met with him before and he got down on the ground with his face between his knees and he prayed. We pray in the Spirit and we can't stir this up in ourselves. We can't, I'm going to pray in the Spirit now, you know. Um, But if we're lacking, we can take the advice of Muller and look at Elijah and we can pray in truth who run in the path of his commands. So if you find that you can't climb to the top of Mount Carmel, you might need to start a fire in your soul. So I encourage everyone, make a regular time in the day to pray and let the Spirit of God fan the Word of God into fire. And what does it look like to pray through the Word of God? What does it look like practically? How do you do that? Well, um, one example, so take Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It can be as really as simple as, oh, Father, thank you that you are my shepherd. Thank you that you watch over me. Thank you that you guide me every step of the way. God, thank you that you've put shepherds over me. Thank you for our pastors. Lord, I pray your protection provision for them this week. Lord, I shall not want. Thank you, God, that you meet all my needs. Lord, and I, th- I-, I pray for a sister over here that has this need, God, and I declare over her that you're going to meet all her needs in the name of Jesus. And the Spirit of God will guide you as you pray through the Scriptures and you'll find that your prayers are aligned with the Word of God more often than not when you're praying this way and you're going to get more of the Word into you. So can we have the next slide? I'm just going to read this again, James 5. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with, with an Sorry, was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So, do you need healing today? You know, I, as I was praying this through, I just felt. You know, there are people that struggle with anxiety. You know, Elijah was a man that struggled with, you know, troubles of mind. He had really low times. And if you struggle with, you know, depression or um, PTSD or anything that that troubles the mind, I think God has healing for you. And we can pray effective and fervent prayers that move the hand of God. And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never met Jesus, you know, we pray uh, in zeal, we pray in truth, we pray in the spirit. You know, there's also a time to pray. And the time is now, okay. Psalm 32, 5 to 6 reads, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause shall everyone who is godly pray to you in a time where you may be found. Time is now. 2 Corinthians 6.2, Behold, now is the appointed time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you want a relationship with God where you can talk to your father and your friend, where he talks back and you answer his prayer, he answers your prayers and you can just have that sweet intimacy with God, it's what we were made for. I encourage you at the end, just come forward. The prayer team will come pray for you this morning. Thank you. I'll just end in, end in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you want to be with us. Thank you for your spirit that rests in us. Thank you for your word that gives us life that ignites a fire within us for, your, for the things of you, God, for the, the plans you have for us. And I just pray that you would take the word, Lord, this morning and just bury it in the hearts and minds of the people here. And, Lord, I just pray that you would make this place a house of prayer this year, that people would be strengthened and equipped to go deeper in prayer, deeper in intimacy with you, and that we would see so many testimonies come of answered prayer. Lord, because you say that the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. And thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.